Hey everyone, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington Church of Christ. I hope this will inspire you and help you grow in your faith as we see God move through His Word. Please stay tuned after to hear more about how you can help partner with us. Enjoy the message. We have been studying Psalm 23 as a way to pray. We can actually pray the words of Psalm 23 and a way to meditate. When we think about and roll over in our minds the words of Psalm 23, it kind of gives us comfort, and it teaches us how to pray, focusing on God the Father, His presence, and how He supplies us. Those are words in Psalm 23 that give us comfort. We all need, we all need to be encouraged, and we all need a word of comfort. Today, we're going to look at the last verse of Psalm 23, Psalm 23, verse 6. It's the benediction of this song. A benediction is uh, the last good word. It's the word that you take with you when you leave a place. It's a word that you uh, can dwell on and be encouraged by. It's a word that you can take and put into your own thoughts and mind and heart to be comforted. We all need to be comforted. Uh, We've had some deaths in our church, in our church from church family members. Those family members need comfort. They need the presence of God and they need the church to surround them. Um, We've had that recently. We're going to have that coming up soon. We have some church family members who are experiencing uh, the last days of their cancer battle. Uh, We're going to need to surround those families and comfort them and pray for them. And there's a little girl right back there that's waving at me. Hi. We all need words of encouragement and comfort. And when little kids wave at me from the back of the audience, that is comfort to me. I love love that our church is growing and babies are being taught the way of the Lord. I love that. That's good comfort. We need encouragement. Uh, Just a a month ago, there was a a church shooting, and uh, yesterday there was a shooting near a church. We need comfort and encouragement that Uh, We have a plan in place to uh, watch out and and provide safety for us. Last week, we had um, a medical uh, um, emergency where uh, a team of people gathered around one of our church members and provided uh, oxygen and called the life squad. Um, We need that kind of encouragement. Uh, One of the things that you can take away for encouragement and comfort is... um, We have a new safety team in place. You might notice some people walking around the church uh, wearing uh, one of these red vests. That's part of the safety team, uh, awareness team. Uh, They are here mainly in case there is um, a a medical emergency like we had last week. That is the most likely use of our safety team. And they know where the medical equipment is. They know how to make a call to 911. They're not going to panic. They're being trained and they're in the process of being trained. They have been trained. Uh, to respond, um, but they also want to watch out for people around the facility that maybe shouldn't be here or maybe have ulterior motives, and we have people that are walking around. Some of them wear a red vest, and some of them don't, <laughs> but we need a word of encouragement. We need comfort. Psalm 23 gives us that. I'd like to review Psalm 23. I'd like to, if you want to write down some of these words, uh, the, when you pray through Psalm, I'm going to give you some uh, reasons that they can prov- it could be a comfort to you. You can write down those words that I'm going to uh, say to you. And then as you pray through it and you meditate on it, you can dwell on what these words mean. And then we're going to say the Psalm together. And finally, we'll get to the benediction, the last good word that we get to take with us, Psalm 23, verse 6. Uh, The Lord is my shepherd. That's relationship. 
God wants to have a relationship with you. I shall not want. That is supply. He will provide for you what you need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's rest. He leads me beside quiet waters. That will be refreshment. He brings me back. He restores my soul. That's repentance and restoration. He guides me along the right path. He guides me along the right path. That's guidance. And it's for his name's sake. He gives us purpose. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's suffering. And by the way, Christ, even Christ suffered. And we are oftentimes called to suffer. But even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That is assurance. For you are with me. That's God's presence. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There God goes with his presence. He comforts me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's a blessing. He is for me and against my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. That's confidence. Remember, he makes our head fat with oil. My cup overflows. That's abundance. Surely your goodness and love shall follow me all the days of my life. That's God's faithfulness. Surely it is a sure thing. It is every day of my life. That's his faithfulness. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. That's security forever. That's eternity. When we pray through Psalm 23, we can use it as words that we actually pray. We can meditate on it. And we can be taught how to pray by using Psalm 23. We can have comfort and encouragement. Would you say the prayer, Psalm 23, with me? I have the words on the screen behind me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. I think there are three ways in the benediction of this song Three ways, three words of comfort that we can take with us. Benediction, remember, it's the last good word you take with you. I want you to take a word today, and maybe one of these three words will be the word that you need to take with you. Three good words. There's goodness, there is love, and there is forever, eternity. Three good words out of Psalm 23, verse 6. I'd like to start with goodness. Surely... Your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. Goodness. Goodness is this attribute of God that is based on his character and not our worth. The goodness of God is based on who he is and not our actions. The goodness of God is based on how he responds and acts and not how we think or feel. God's goodness... Please hear this. God's goodness is part of who he is and part of his makeup. In fact, some uh, authors have said goodness is the word that describes, best encompasses all of who God is. And he took that from Exodus chapter 33, verse 19. 
Moses said to the Lord, he said, God, you keep telling me you're going to be with me, and if you don't go with us, we we just can't do this. We just can't, we can't go into the wilderness if you don't lead us. We need your presence. And the Lord said, Moses, I'll do whatever you ask. And Moses said, God, I want to see you. I want to see your presence. And in Exodus chapter 33, verse 19, here's what the Lord said. I want to read the words. They're, They're pretty powerful. Exodus 33, 19. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, Yahweh, in your presence. Even God describes himself, encompasses all of who he is in the word goodness. God is good. And that's not based on us. Thank God it's not based on us. And his goodness is following after us. Always nearby, always at hand. And this can be a difficult thing to kind of grasp, especially, especially if we're going through a trouble or we're going through suffering. And we are promised we will have suffering and trouble in this world. Andrew Wilson is a pastor, and he uh, has been meditating on the Psalms. And he got to Psalm 34, and it said, Taste and see that the Lord is good. And he said, I'm really struggling with this. Uh, Andrew has three children. Two of them are severely autistic. He said they were uh, growing up, two of his children. Um, this happened at two different times in, in, their, in their life where they had a child. And the child began to grow up. And about the age of two, all of their functioning began to take step backwards. Severe autism. And then they had another child. And at the age of two, all of their functioning began to take step backwards. Um, and he writes, as he's meditating on is God good? He said, the goodness of God is one of those things we affirm happily when things are going well, but we find rather tricky when they aren't. And he said, when he comes to church and they're singing songs and the, the worship leader is singing, singing about how God is good, he said, singing becomes a fight between the truths that you know and the emotions you feel. As a pastor, he said, it involves teaching others to hold on to things that I'm struggling to hold on to myself. Because he was battling and going through suffering, especially with his children. He said they just take, every day, they take a step backward in their function. They take a step backward in their abilities. And he said it's hard to hold on to what is good. And he said what, what, how he wrapped his mind around this and how he came to the conclusion is he had to wrestle with what it meant that God is good. And he came up with three, three ideas about God's goodness. The property of God, the definition of God, and the experience of God. And the property of God kind of goes like this. God only does good things, and he doesn't do anything bad or mediocre. And he finds this in Genesis chapter 1. Everything God created was good. He finds it in Mark chapter 10 when Jesus is responding. He said, only God is good. Everything God does is good. And he doesn't do bad things and he doesn't do mediocre things. He definitely doesn't do evil things. God is good. He said, I find this property of God all through scripture and all through my life. God only does good things. He said, and then there's this definition of God. This definition is Anytime there is goodness anywhere, God is there. You can't have goodness without God, and you can't have God without goodness being there. And he found that even as he studied his suffering and his trials and his pain, he found goodness in all of that. And he recognized that God was in the suffering, and God was in his pain, and God was in his trials. 
And he looked at how his children were growing up and, and they were taking steps backwards in their abilities and yet his family was surrounding him and he said that was good. And there is goodness there, God is there. And his church was surrounding him and he said that is good and there is goodness there and, and God is there. And he said it's still hard. But not only does God only do good things and God is good and provides goodness but he said there's also this experiential pattern of God being felt being good. And as he studied the scripture, he noticed that God was good in his deliverance, in his provision. He promises he will hear us, and he promises he will supply us. And he was looking at Psalm 34 that said, taste and see the Lord is good. And he said the psalmist who wrote that, the author of Psalm 34, was experiencing suffering. And even wrote, the afflictions are many for the righteous. Even if you're a good person, you will experience suffering, and yet that doesn't change the fact that God is good. And Andrew Wilson came to this conclusion that even with a good God who has the power to do whatever he likes, good people still suffer. But that doesn't change the fact that God is good. What do we do when we don't feel God being good around us. This is where our faith really takes hold. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Well, you can replace that word see with feel. What do we do when we can't feel the goodness of God and we are suffering? Because it's really hard to take stock and examine and notice, oh yes, my family is here. Oh yes, I still am able to think and breathe and function. Oh yes, I can still praise God. It's, it's hard to take stock when we're hurting and even recognize that the goodness of God still exists. But when we don't feel God's presence or his goodness, we get to choose to trust that Christ rose from the dead and that there will be a resurrection for us. So even in the midst of our suffering, there is something good that is coming, even if it's not here yet. Our faith is put into action. We trust something we don't yet see. What do you do when you don't feel God's presence or his goodness? We trust that God is in control and he is shaping us to look like Christ and be of the character of Jesus Christ. Even Christ suffered, and he suffered greatly, and then he chose to suffer so that we could be saved. And then Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And we trust that Jesus has overcome sin, has overcome Satan, and has overcome death. And if we're not experiencing the goodness now, the goodness will come. Jesus trusted that. Even on the cross, he trusted that God is good and that God would deliver him. And God did deliver him. He raised him from the dead and gave him a new life. Jesus will never experience that suffering again. That promise is for us. What do we do when we don't experience God's goodness? We true, choose to believe, even when the enemy is whispering that we're all alone, that God is with us. And we can believe that because it's been true in Scripture, it's been true in other Christians' life, and even if we don't experience it or feel it, it is true of us. God is our shepherd, and he is with us. He desires a relationship with us. One of the ways that we can move into this kind of attitude and idea is we have to use our imagination. We have to use our Holy Spirit-inspired imagination. And we get to 
imagine what it is like as we look for God and then we can imagine him longingly looking at us. Isaiah says, God has tattooed our names on the palms of his hands. Zephaniah chapter 3 says, God sings over us because we are his pleasure. If you could imagine, we are searching for God and his goodness and we want to experience it. If you could imagine, you're looking up toward heaven and you're searching for God and then all of a sudden, just in that one moment of imagination, you realize God has been looking at you all the time and he is calling to you. This is God's goodness. And we trust that it's there even if we don't experience it. There are ways that God is good. Psalm 25 says he he doesn't remember our sin or rebellion anymore. That is good. And while I'm in Christ, God doesn't hold it against me that I've relied on my own power or my own judgment or I have even rejected him. In fact, Romans chapter 8 says there is now no condemnation for those in Christ. We can rely on the goodness of God. Yesterday we had a, a funeral here at the church and um, we have this great encouragement in a team, a, a team that puts together a meal for the family. And um, one of the team members was there, the, the encouraging team that brings the meal. After the family goes through, the meal team that provided the meal gets to go through and eat. One of the team members was saying, well, I don't really need to eat anything today. I'm, gonna, I'm just not going to eat today. And then they started talking about, you know, they have that, that self-doubt and that uh, self-interest problem. And, you know, they said, hey, you can tell I haven't missed a meal. And, and then, then they started talking about this guilt. Um, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm, I bet God's going to say, you know, you kind of didn't, you overate down there on earth. Anybody ever had that guilty feeling? But God says there's no condemnation. When we get to heaven, he's not going to say, Oh, you overate down there on earth. No, he's going to say, come on in. I got some really good food in here. You thought you had some good food down there. I got better food in here. There's no condemnation while we're in Christ. He does not condemn us. Our sins have been removed. They were placed on Jesus. Now we get to live up to that new person he created within us. God is good. All of God. His mercy is good. His love is good. His wrath is right and good. His punishment of evil is right and good. God's justice is good. God is good. Maybe that's the word you need to take with you today. The benediction, the last good word. When you leave here and you go out back into work and to your home and you need to take with you, God is good. Maybe while we eat uh, lunch here today and we have soup or chili or hot dogs, you need to have with you that word, God is good, and you just need to have that in your mind and in your heart, and you roll it over and you meditate on it. God is good, and his, his goodness is following me. It's ahead of me. It's behind me. It's beneath me. It's above me. His goodness is there with me. Maybe that's the word. Maybe you need this other word, though. Surely his Goodness, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of your life. Maybe you need this word, chesed. Chesed, I don't know very many Hebrew words, but this is my favorite. Chesed, that word love there. Some places it's translated mercy. Some places it's it's translated steadfast love. 
It is very difficult to translate in English. There's no word-for-word equivalent. The closest we have in English is grace. Surely your goodness and grace will follow me all the days of my life. But we have to add words to grace to get it to mean what chesed means. Chesed is, chesed began before eternity. So surely your grace that began before eternity. And chesed is overwhelming, like a giant tidal wave, but it's gentle. It crashes into us gently. It covers us completely. It began before time. It crashes over us gently, covers us completely, and it will last for all eternity. This is the grace of God that is following you and is with you. Maybe you need this word to take with you, that God's grace is planned for you before time began, before you were even born, before you were thought about by your parents. God had grace planned for you. And then he covers you with that grace your entire life. He overwhelms you with that grace. He swallows you with that grace. And it never ends. Surely goodness and chesed will follow me all the days of my life. Dwight Moody, a preacher uh, from a couple hundred years ago, a lady came in to be counseled by him. And she said, two men are following me. They followed me from my house. They followed me everywhere I go. They even followed me into this office. And he looked around and there was no one there. And he understood that she was experiencing some sort of manifestation in her mind. And it was bothering her greatly. (laughs) And he wanted to give her a good word of comfort. And he said, I know the names of those two men. She said, really? He said, God has sent those two men to look after you. Their names are goodness and mercy. And they're following after you to keep you safe. And she all of a sudden was relieved. And she said, I always wondered what their names were. And then she left. Never saw her again. That's kind of how it works, though. If we can imagine this psalm as the psalm of the shepherd, the she- a good shepherd is going to have sheep dogs. And as he's moving us to each new green pasture and each new quiet waters, some of us have a tendency to stray. And the sheepdogs come nipping at our heels, pulling us back to safety. That type of discipline can sometimes feel uncomfortable, but it is the wisdom and goodness of God that brings us back to safety. And we have two sheepdogs that follow after us. The goodness of God, and he is good all the time, and he only does good things, and even in his discipline it is good, and he brings us back into where there is security and safety by making us uncomfortable. And then there's the grace of God that covers over us, and it doesn't condemn us, and it brings us back into safety. And these two sheepdogs are following us. Surely goodness and mercy, surely goodness and love, surely goodness and chesed will follow us all the days of our life. And it is always nearby, close at hand. You can reach out for God's goodness or his chesed. Maybe that's the word you need to take with you. We take a word with us. We take one of the words from the scripture with us as we go, and it's the encouragement and the comfort we need. It is more secure than having people in red vests walk around the building securing the perimeter. 
Because God is with us, securing us. The last word, maybe this is the last word you need. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The house of the Lord, security and safety, and it lasts forever. God is calling us home. With God, we will be home forever. Now, when David writes forever here, forever starts. When does forever start? Starts at our death. When our journey ends on earth, our life truly begins. And we will dwell with God forever. Death is not the end. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? It is gone. Because death is not the end. Because when death comes, that's when our life begins. When does forever begin? begins at our death paul he said it is better for me to go to be with the lord i'd much rather be with the lord than be here but since god has left me here i'll keep helping you yesterday at the funeral for julia snow one of her daughters talked about how as julia was growing up through the great depression she always got hand-me-down clothes because that's all they could afford they never got new clothes but since Julia passed and has gone through her reward, all she gets is new clothes. Her life in her her journey ended here, but her life has begun there. Julia, as she got older, she was 97, she lost her hearing and her sight. And I've heard a philosopher say that if we die here, we may not realize we're dead for a couple more minutes because our conscience continues to live on. But for Julia, I bet she recognized it immediately because she immediately had her eyesight restored and immediately could hear again. When her journey ended here, her life began. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Some of us fear what is going to come next. Some of us fear that our body is breaking down. Some of us fear when death approaches and maybe you need the word. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Totally experiencing God's goodness and his chesed without any more suffering or pain. He is wiping every tear from our eye and he's making everything new. Maybe that's the word you need to take with you. Three words. Goodness, chesed, and forever. God loves to be the God of comfort. He loves to give you ways to be comforted. When Jesus was meeting with his disciples the night he died, he wanted to give them a way to comfort them and remind them of his goodness and his grace and eternity. And so he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. And after dinner, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, blood, my blood poured out for you. And he gave us another word of comfort. It's called communion. When we participate in communion and we take that bread, we are remembering that Jesus suffered but then was delivered from his suffering with resurrection. 
When we take that cup, we remember that his blood shed and it was shed for us. And his blood covers over all of our sin, cleansing us, making us white as snow. It's because he loves us. It's a tangible reminder that we can feel and taste and see. Tangible reminder of God's goodness, his grace. And we are told that as we take and participate in communion, we declare Christ's death until he comes again. It's also a reminder of forever. It's a word that reminds us of the encouragement we have in Christ, the comfort we have in Christ. As you participate in communion today, would you take that word and allow it to spiritually revive your soul and give you encouragement? Let me pray. God, as we participate in communion today, would you comfort us once again with the reminder that you love us and you have died for us, but that is not the end. Life truly began at your resurrection. And you promise that we can have eternal life and have it to the full, even now. So Lord, I thank you for the comfort of this goodness that we are to receive in communion. This grace that we receive in communion. This reminder of eternity that we receive in communion. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this ministry has impacted you, I ask that you would pray and consider partnering with us financially so that we could continue to minister here in our community and beyond. Visit us online at wcconline.org backslash donate to find out how you can be a part of what God is doing here. Thank you again for joining us, and I hope to see you back here next time.